All right. The Bible's a unified, uninterrupted story that leads to Jesus. Could you say that with me? The Bible is a unified, uninterrupted story that leads to Jesus. Y'all, we made it to the New Testament last week. Yeah. Now, it's not that I don't like the Old Testament, but literally from January all the way to Tuesday this past week, we have been in the Old Testament. And when we say the Bible is a unified, uninterrupted story that leads to Jesus, we got into the New Testament on Tuesday and read, well, we had to go through the genealogy first. Did you all get like, caught up on those names right there? But then we got to the birth of Jesus, and man, it was amazing. Twelve chapters we went through this past week. We got through Matthew chapter 12. And I don't know if you noticed this, but as you read there, did you notice how many times it said the prophets spoke or the prophets said? We've been saying all along that the Bible points to Jesus. And in our reading this week, man, time and time and time again, it spoke about that. Now, I know what you're thinking. The whole year we're saying that the Bible points to Jesus. We're in the New Testament, so we got to speak about the birth of Christ this Sunday. I had originally planned that. Notice the key word. <laughs> I had originally planned that. Got into study this week, started reading through it. Man, I just felt the Lord highlight Matthew chapter 11, what we're getting ready to talk about. And so let me just tell you this about Matthew 1 through 12. Jesus was born. Cool? Got it? He was then tempted. Okay? He then got baptized. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all in one place at the same time, might I add. Then he got out in the wilderness, got tempted. Then he started calling disciples. Miracles started breaking out, and it was amazing. And I find it funny that as I begin to read about the miracles in the Bible in the first half of Matthew, that all of a sudden you get to chapter 11 and Jesus kind of pulls this curveball. See, I don't understand. Well, there was a lot of doing going on. Jesus was doing it. The disciples were helping. And Jesus kind of pumps the brakes. Here's what he says. Matthew chapter 11, verse 20. He says, come to me. All you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and I am lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Verse 30, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Aren't you thankful that Jesus says, I'm gentle, I'm easy, my burden, it's light. You want to know why that sounds so good? Because the world is so heavy especially in this moment. All right, let's read it in the message version. Maybe I'll speak some language here. Are you tired? You ever heard that before? Are you tired? Are you worn out? How about this one? Are you burned out on religion? Strong words from Jesus. Come to me. Man, I love this. Get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take Real rest. Look at your neighbor real quick and say, real rest. Walk with me, work with me, and watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or anything ill-fitting on you. Watch here. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Man, that sounds so good. So if you're taking notes... I want to speak to you from the subject of real 
rest. It's the words that Jesus put in there. Come to me and I'll show you real, real rest. I'm not talking about the nap you're going to take later on today. Oh, that sounds really good right now. No, no, I'm talking about a rest that you actually live in while you're awake and while you're doing to get you to a place in this life where you're not so exhausted doing, but you focus on who you're becoming. Let's pray. Father, help in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen and amen. Guys, can you give it up for Dave real quick? <laughs> every single week, every single week, I'm like, Rich, shorten your intro. The poor guy's fingers are falling off. All right, so I had a mentor say this to me once. You've heard me say this before. He says, Rich, he says, your greatest preaching, your greatest speaking, your greatest talking, whatever you want to call it. He says, the greatest messages you'll ever preach is when you preach out of your weakness. He says, when you begin to look to God and to his scripture and begin to see what God has to say about what you're going through, he says, you'll begin to preach your greatest messages. Now, he wasn't saying that because the goal was to be a really good preacher, speaker. However, I will say, I don't want to be boring or dull. I don't want to speak on things that we are going through. But I started going through this scripture this week, and I said, man, there probably ain't one person that's going to be in this place right now or online right now that has not dealt with what we're dealing with here today. So today, I'm vulnerable. I'm open, just like I always am. I'm speaking out of weakness. I'm speaking out of something that I've gotten much better at that I still have improving to do. And maybe, just maybe, you'll find yourself in the story as well. And here's the great news. If you do, that's not man speaking to you. That's God speaking through a man who's a vessel. And God's trying to say something to you today. Did you know that every single time that you come, you can get a word from God? That's why church is not just playing music and listening to some guy talk. We can probably do some other things. No, no, no. Coming to church is lifting up the name of Jesus, making it about him, not about yourselves. But it's also learning what his word has to say about something that you might be going through in your life. That's the good part about God. God don't stop working on you. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, he's working on you. All right, now look at the other person you just avoided and say, he's really working on you. And if you ain't got a neighbor, well, just smile. I heard a pastor say this a long time ago. He said this. He said, I used to work for God, but now I work with God. Say that again. I used to work for God, but, but now I work with God. There's a major difference. We give our lives to Christ and we get into what's called worker mode, right? I, I got to do this for God. And while we have to do things in order to show our love for God, for Jesus said, if you love me, obey my commandments, there is a, a doing of it. It's great to know that no matter what I do, God still loves me. But if we're not careful, what happens is we go to church because I have to make God happy. I read my Bible to check it off my list so God can say, good job. I don't think God does that, by the way. That's kind of weird. I don't think God, I don't think God, God goes into like a golf cart like, oh, you're just, you. We, we don't do that. We, we don't do something for our neighbor so that we can say, hey, God, are you happy with that? Because what happens is now you begin to do for God. And I say this very respectfully, but I also say it boldly because I believe Jesus is the only way to heaven. Right. Matter of fact, a new article just came out. 60% of people believe that there are alternate ways to God. No, no, no. Jesus said, I am the door. Yeah. In case you're wondering. 
Some of you might have seen that article this week. It was sent to me. I saw it. CBN, thanks very much. But in our culture, you watch. There's going to come a time, it's here, but it's going to get worse when people will say that if I want to make it to the God who created the heavens and the earth, I could do it by means of another way. My friends, no, you can. Not if you believe your Bible. The, the Bible, by the way. Not, not a, the Bible. The Word of God. But what happens is if you look at other religions, what do they, what do, they do? I'll tell you what you do or what they do. They do for approval. I, I have to go and do this so that maybe, just maybe, when I breathe my last breath on this earth, I'll make it to this thing called heaven. Yet, yet, Christianity is the only religion where God says, you don't have to come to me. I'll actually come to you. That, that's a loving God. And so what this pastor was saying years ago when I heard this, is he said, look, he said, I don't work for God. I work with God, which is amazing to me because it sounds like our opening verse. Jesus says, hey, I'm gentle. My burden's like, why don't you just walk with me and I will show you, as the message version says, the, the unforced rhythms of, of, of grace. Grace and truth, by the way, not just grace. Because if it's just grace, it gets real sloppy. Is that okay to say? It's grace and truth. Jesus always gave grace, yet spoke truth. He forgave the woman, but yet said, go and sin no more. So it's always grace and truth. So when you begin to walk with God and not work for God, it's amazing to me. Your love for him gets a whole lot deeper. Think about your significant other in the room. Matter of fact, if they're with you, look at them real quick. Give them a big old smile. Come on. Smile at them. Come on. I know you probably fought on the way to church. That's okay. That happens. Maybe not. Maybe not. Think of how much you love, even though that person could really get on your nerves. <laughs> Vanessa's in the nurse right now watching. Love you, babe. Not talking about you in any way, shape, or form. It's me. The problem's me. It's always been me. It will continue to be me. No, I'm joking. But look it. You, you begin to walk with that person. What happens? You begin to fall in love. You begin to understand. You begin to talk. You begin to build this bond. Can you imagine on your wedding day looking at your spouse? Saying it was so great getting married to you today. Now you go your way, I'll go my way, and I'll see you next week. How many of you guys know that marriage probably ain't going to work? Why? Because you, you need to, to walk together. You need to learn to, to walk with God. And when you do so, you find real rest. That's what Jesus was saying. Jesus was saying, take my yoke. My, my yoke. They're going to put a picture up on the screen, but Jesus in that day was, was given this idea of what it looks like for, for two ox to, to walk together. I might, there it is right there. And so what you begin to see is, imagine this young ox getting tied up to this piece of wood. You can see it on the screen. So you have those wood beams going across, and they'd have these two underhooks. And what they would do is they would take that older, more experienced ox who knew what they were doing, who, who knew how to pull efficiently and walk the correct way, and they would take the young ox, the stubborn one. I'm going to say something here. Please don't get offended. The young one who thought he had it all figured out. I was once this too, and so were you, so don't be looking down at the younger generation. But I'm going to say something. I'm in college. I've got life figured out. <laughs> no, you don't. 
No, I'm 39 years old. Still don't have it all figured out. Not saying that mean, but I'm just saying, like the Bible says, don't be prideful. So they would take the young ox. And that young ox would get inside of that, that yoke and would try to go quick and would try to pull. But you know what that veteran ox would do? It would stay steady. And it would walk straight. And it would be efficient until, watch here, until that younger ox probably thought to itself, this is pointless now. I'm not getting my way. This isn't going to work. What if I start to do what the older ox is doing? And then they'd begin to pull. Listen to me close. I like how you guys are like leaning in. I hope this is profound to you. Jesus is saying, walk with me. I will make your life much straighter. I will slow the pace down. I will show you how to be more effective if and only if you will walk with me. Jesus calls us to a place of just slowing things down. Now, can I just say something real quick? Would anybody in this room love for life to just slow down? Thank you, sir, for raising your hand. Are you done with going and going and going and going and never quite arriving? Have you gotten to the place where in all of your human effort, it's not producing what you thought it was going to produce? All of your effort will never produce. It's God. Remember, okay, this is totally off subject. I'm going for it. Remember when Jesus said, get in the boat, go to the other side? You guys remember that story? A couple times? Okay, good. Do you remember when the storm came in the story? Storm comes. What do the disciples do? Ah! Just went nuts. Grown men, fishermen who have been doing it a long time, don't know how to handle themselves. Jesus comes, remember? Do you remember, though, where they were, like, literally, started shore, other side where they're going, and they were stuck right in the, how long were they rowing? Ready for this? Hours. We've been there. We've been to Israel together. We've been in the boat on the Sea of Galilee. We've been there, right, Pastor Frank? Does it take you hours to get to that middle? No, that's because in all of their human effort in the midst of a storm, the best that they could do was get halfway. And in your life, it's the same way. If you're leaning on your own strength, your own ability, and everything you think you've got, and I think I've got, I better put me in this equation too, or you guys might call me a mean pastor. Sorry. A little fired up this morning. Might be the rock star, might be sleep. Not quite sure. In all of your effort, if you're not walking with Jesus, the furthest you'll get is halfway. Jesus says, come walk with me. Light, easy, refreshing. Okay, now I need your hands on this one. It's a long introduction. Here's the question. Are you there? Are you at the place in life 
in areas of your life where you've tried to do it on your own and you're just done. Your marriage, your job, your finances, your mental health, your emotional health, your children. Are you at the place where you've done everything that you can do, but yet you haven't quite accepted the invitation of Jesus to come alongside of you to begin to walk with you? Maybe you are. I know I am in some areas, and it's exhausting. You notice that? And we hear people, and they say great things, and they, they point us towards, well, just, at the end of the day, listen to me, it all comes back to saying, will I link up and walk with Jesus? What do you do when you've lost that sense of rest? That even, because listen, I, I might be saying this where you might be misinterpreting this. You could be busy and be in the perfect will of God and it's not chaotic if you're busy walking with Jesus. Does that make sense? It's not saying don't do anything. <laughs> that won't get you very far. It's not saying that. You, you could be busy with Jesus. That's okay. But the question is, are you with Jesus? Now, I'm talking about this idea, though, of rest. And not the rest that doesn't do anything, but the rest that is able to do with God, not for God, but with God in a way that brings true rest. Now, I don't normally do this, but I'm going to do it today. I don't normally do acrostics. Not really good at them. I don't normally do that. But today I am because it just fits. So if you're taking notes or you've got your worship guide or you're typing on your phone, whichever one works for you, I want you to write down the word rest. I'm going to use the word rest, and I'm going to give you four things that will help you enter into the rest that Jesus is talking about in this passage of Scripture. It's super important, but for some of us, I think it will change things. For some of us, it might remind us of certain things. For some of us, it's going to challenge some things, and that's a good thing. Letter R. Now, I'm going to stop right there and say you don't know how many times I've practiced that this week. Because I've almost said number R multiple times. So I'm going to pause right there and say, good job, Rich. Way to go. Letter R. Letter R stands for Raiders. I mean, just <laughs> right there. There's your notes, right? No, I'm just joking. Okay. Notice I'm not using the word P or any other. Anyways, R. You need to relax in who you are. If you're going to find true rest in God, you need to relax in who you are. Now listen, one of the things I've learned over the years is how ambition can drive people to be the people they should not be. That was very hard to say, by the way, so I'll make it more personal. I've watched in my own life how ambition, if not careful, can drive me to be the person that God doesn't want me to be. It's certainly good to try to be the best that we can be. Everybody say amen to that. But listen to me. Always looking over the fence at what somebody else has or who they are will get you in trouble. They say the grass is always green on the other side. No, it's not. The grass is green where you water. It always comes down to that. I got to get this next thing. No, you don't. Maybe you have this thing because God wants you to have this thing. 
Maybe you're here because God doesn't want you there. If you're not careful, you begin to look at what other people have and it begins to rob you of God's rest. I, you, guys, you guys know I coach CrossFit three days a week, early in the morning. And I hear different athletes say, well, man, I just, I got to be like them. Now, if they're not careful, they start to compare. And for some, the shoe fits. I'm going to say something here real quick, so please follow with me. I'm not trying to take a jab at generations. But we have a, a lady in our gym. She's in her 70s. And she says continually, I just want to be like Brit. Brit is in her 20s. <laughs> now hear me. In the gym, with the lifts, with the movements, it's just not going to happen. It's an improper comparison. So here's my response to her every time. She might be watching today. I tell her about church all the time. By the way, cool little fact. You can tell people about God all the time, in case you're wondering. And church and all that other good stuff. Look for ways to squeeze it in. Because you never know. All of a sudden, they start calling you and things start falling apart a little bit. Like, hey, I, yeah. Okay, anyway, so moving on. So Pam, if you're watching, it's good to see you. And Vince, her husband's a drummer, so I'm kind of working that angle too. Good to see you guys. I'm sorry for what I did up there. Anyways, I say, Pam, I say, I say, Comparison is the thief of joy. Anytime she just goes, oh, didn't quite have it today. Oh, Brett, man, that, oh, that's my goal. I go, Pam, and she knows it's coming too. I say, comparison is the thief of all joy. And in our lives, it's the same way. If you're always looking at comparing one to another, what house they have, what car they drive, the vacations they take, the pictures they have, which probably have filters on them, by the way. The body that they have. Come on, let's be real. Some of you ladies, you don't know how to look at other ladies without being mean-spirited. Gentlemen, same way. I've seen it. You need to be nice. Be nice. Humankind. Be human and kind. They go together. But stop comparing. You know, I think there's a scripture in the Bible, by the way, that talks about that. Year of the Bible, week number three. Ah, no, no, week four. The Ten Commandments. Coveting. What's coveting? Comparing. I want what they got. If you're not careful, you begin to diminish what God gave you. Because you want what they got. Listen, you want true rest? Relax in who you are. Your strengths are your strengths. Your life is your life. Your calling is your calling. And I'm just telling you right now, I told you I'm speaking out of weakness, right? Because there ain't nothing, Pastor Frank will attest to this, there ain't nothing pastors do really well like comparing themselves to other pastors and other churches. Listen, I'm so thankful that you guys love online preachers. I'm so cool with that. <laughs> I'm just not them. That's okay. I have to tell myself that. Like, I ain't got to be them. I'm not them. I can't be them because they're them. It's improper in English. You got to take it where you can get it, people. You got to be comfortable in your own skin. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10. But by the grace of God, this is Paul, by the grace of God, I love this, I am what I am. Come on, Popeye didn't get that statement from some writers. He got it from God. Come on, I am what I am and his grace towards me. 
It was not in vain. Listen to me. God's grace flows as you embrace who you were created to be. You've heard me say this before. Why try to be someone else when you can be you? The best version is you. If you're not you, we miss out. And that makes me upset. Because I want you. I want you to be the person that God created you to be. Come on, if you're going to be like somebody else, you're just a copy. We don't need copies. Sounds so corny. We need originals. <laughs> Some of you who shop at Hobby Lobby, I'm sure that's on a frame somewhere, okay? If it's hanging up in your house, I'm not throwing shade, but I'm just saying. You see those commercials, by the way, the ones that say, don't be your parents? You see those ones? He just takes them and throws them into the trash. I'm like, I like that guy right there. Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. Just Google it. Okay, some of you still have no idea what I'm talking about. Okay, it's the internet. No, I'm just joking, okay? You got to relax in who you are. Secondly is this. E, you got to examine the impact of sin in our lives. Now, I've made this one about all of us. If we're going to lose rest, it's because we don't take time to examine the impact of sin in our lives. Now, what I love about this is it's the very invitation to come to Jesus is the invitation to allow him to deal with the stuff and the sin that is in our lives. I mean this with everything I got. I mean this with all of my heart, speaking to myself. I am so thankful that when I sin, and we all do, that I feel this nudge that says, shouldn't have done that. Because it's the Holy Spirit saying, you're better than that. There was a way of escape because the Bible promises that in Corinthians and you didn't take it. But son, this is God speaking to me. This is how I go. I love you enough to tell you, you should not have done that. I love that. Want to know why I love it? Because that means God hasn't given up on me. And friends, God ain't given up on you either. God don't give up. We do. I tell people all the time, man, you should be afraid when you do sin and you don't feel conviction. That's the scary part. Not a lot of preachers preach on this today. I'm not putting them down, but I'm just saying, sin is sin. Okay? And if not dealt with, like the Bible says, Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death. So there's a payday coming. But aren't you glad that Jesus, come on, Jesus, he takes away our sin. MJ, I'm going to pop here a little bit, meaning I'm going to kind of roll over some stuff here. Notice these words, Micah 7, 19. You will again have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot, and you will hurl, meaning to throw, all of our iniquities into the depths of the sea. That's a deep sea. Isaiah 43, 25. I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sins no more. Man, that's good. Psalm 103. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions for us. Did you notice that north can become south? Then back up to north and then south. East and west just keeps going. He's saying, look, I don't remember them. Hebrews 8, 12. For I will forgive their wickedness and I will remember their sins no more. Aren't you so thankful 
that our God is serious about forgiving your sins. If you are, just now would be a good time to say amen and give him a hand clap. Come on. Letter S. You got to surrender to the will. You got to surrender to the will of God. Listen. If you're here today and you haven't truly surrendered to the will of God, I will promise you, I hate to even say it, but it's the truth, you will never walk in the rest that Jesus is talking about unless you surrender. Now, I understand, I know most of you, and if I don't got your names, I've got your faces. For, for the most part, I, I could say, listen, we've surrendered our life to God in the form of, of accepting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I'm confident of that in this room. So what I'm saying on here is have you surrendered to the will of God in all of the areas of your life? Because if you don't, you will not find or experience the rest that Jesus is talking about. Think of the children of Israel. Man, we spent a lot of time on them, right? All the Old Testament was them. Serve God, not serve God. In trouble, God rescues. Serve God, not serve God. In trouble, God rescues over and over and over and over and over. But then Jesus comes. Think about this. Manna, water, cloud by day, fire by night, shoes whose soles never went out. God completely took care of them. And time and time and time again, they rebelled. Isn't that crazy, Dean? They just rebelled. God was so good to them, yet they walked away. Come on, let's be real. How good has God been to you? Come on, he's been good to all of us. <laughs> that was a good time to at least nod. I, I fell on one of those jokes last week. You know, I'll take a good Baptist nod. I mean, Pentecost, whatever, do something, right? Has God been good to you? Yes. All of us know that God's been good. Yeah, let's be real. Let's be honest. Let's call it what it is. Yet we tend to forget. All done it. So what do we do? Well, we get back and we surrender our will. When things start to go good, we start to trust in us, not in him. Trust should always be on him. They wouldn't obey the Lord. They wandered for 40 years in the wilderness outside of the will of God. Because they stopped surrendering to God as Nate comes. Psalm 95. For 40 years, I was angry with that generation. I said, they are a people whose hearts go astray and they have not known my ways. So I declared an oath in my anger. They shall never enter. What's that word say? My rest. The point I'm trying to say here, even with that scripture, is simply this, is that when you don't surrender everything to the Lord, your marriage, your job, your children, your finances, your friendships, when that's not surrendered to God, you can't enter into the rest that Jesus is talking about. So here's the great news. Guess what you got to do? You just surrender it. You say, God, you have a way with this. I'm trusting your way. And God goes, whoo, got you. Something powerful about that. Think about people that have ever been in tough places before. 
in the Bible or even in life, right? I mean, you can go through the Apostle Paul in the book of Acts chapter 27. They're out on a boat. They haven't seen the moon. They haven't seen the stars. They've thrown everything overboard. And all of a sudden, Paul, he hears from God, stands up on that ship and declares, we're going to see some good things, boys. I think of Jesus, man, there's a storm going on, and he is asleep. And the disciples are going, doesn't he even care? Man, we're in this storm, and we're getting ready to die, and Jesus is down below taking a nap. Remember that story? We, we do that all the way. By the time. Does, does, doesn't God see what I'm going through here? Doesn't he see my challenge? Does he even care? Seems like God's napping. The, the disciples, man, they're beside themselves. So they go down and get Jesus. Jesus comes on up. What does he do? He speaks to the storm. It stops. You know what I've learned? I've learned in moments like that, whether it's Jesus, the Apostle Paul, or ourselves, is that our purpose protects us. Jesus was on purpose. Paul had purpose. And when you've got purpose in the midst of a storm or chaos, that purpose will protect you because you know that God is in control and you can trust him. And that's a beautiful thing. Lastly, I close. T. You got to trust God's timing. If you're going to find true rest, you got to trust his timing. You guys know what the hardest part of prayer is? Sometimes for some, it's number one, praying it. For some of us, it's receiving it. That's not the hard part. We like that part, right? Hardest part of prayer? Everything in between here. And what it comes down to is in the midst of that, I prayed, and my answer is here. We have this waiting game taking place. It's the hardest part. God, when are you going to answer? I know people that have been praying things for 20 years. Still hasn't come to pass. You ever question God on that one? Hey, Lord, you said if I ask it in your name, you'd do it. Hasn't happened yet. God knows. His timing's good. Can I have some pastor talk with you real quick? Good, I'm going to do it anyways. Pastor, we should be doing this as a church. Pastor, we should be doing that as a church. And by the way, this isn't poor me, pity me, but I'm just saying. We should, we should, we should, we should, we should. And I'm like, yeah, you are so right. We should. I just don't know if it's God's timing yet. And let me tell you how I learned that lesson. Because I started doing things without God's timing, and they failed every single time. So I was like, I don't want to do that no more. So I stopped. And I started saying, God, this is in my heart to do. God, I think this is a need in our church and in our community. God, how should we do it? Start to pray that, right? God starts to put the pieces together. Okay, God, when should we do it? That's the tricky part. If, and only if, you're determining when that should start. It ain't tricky when you give it over to the Lord and say, you say when. Guys, in your life, it's the same deal. I don't know what you're waiting on. I don't know what you believe in God for. But listen to me. Don't rush it. 
There's a lot of examples in that Bible that will show you what happens when you rush what God is in control of. You'll fail every time, or you'll get yourself so deep into it that you can't find your way out of it. And the only way you can get out of it is to quit. Rest is a matter of God's timing. Would you stand? As you're standing, let me read Matthew eleven twenty-eight again. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me. And you'll learn to live freely and lightly.